Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Today, one of the first topics I'm going to be talking about is wholesaling houses, which is the ability to create income right away in real estate without waiting, landlording, fixing, or any of the other complexities that real estate involved. Not that those other types of investing aren't good, but some people just want to get started um, and generate some, some quick cash. Others may have real estate that's not producing enough uh, short-term cash. So you're going to want to take a look at this topic and see how it works for you. So if you need more cash flow, if you need chunks of cash, you know, I say real estate is kind of like peanut butter. Sometimes it's smooth and sometimes it's chunky. <laughs> That's the way the income goes. Uh, if you need to pay down debt, uh, if you've got a lot of either credit card debt, student loan debt, or other kinds of debt, the best way to, to get rid of that is not a couple of hundred dollars a month extra towards principal, but getting chunks of cash, five, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 to pay that off quickly. And if you don't like long and risky deals in real estate, wholesaling is the quickest way to get in and get out and get paid. So it's about generating in this business chunks of money, like we said with the peanut butter. This is the chunky version. And um, real estate investing uh, in particular involves some sort of uh, um, cash flow issues, even if you have rentals that produce income, you still need to have income on the side, chunks of cash in case of a rainy day. The same thing with life, of course, as well. So what is wholesaling? Wholesaling, let's define it as a subset of the topic of flipping homes. So let's define that. What is flipping? Flipping is nothing more than buying and reselling quickly. And that usually involves buying, fixing, and selling, but wholesaling, we're not going to do the fixing part. We're just going to uh, lock up a property and then sell it generally to another investor who's then going to either fix and rent it or fix and flip it. There are two types of flipping. There's wholesale and retail. Now, retail is what you've probably seen on the TV shows about flipping homes with the handsome brothers, and they go in and they buy a house, and they fix it up, and then they make it beautiful, list it with a real estate agent on the multiple listing, and then buyers who are going to uh, buy it and live in it are going to make offers on it and hopefully get the seller the price he's looking for or she's looking for. That's what we call a retail flip because your buyer is a retail buyer. Wholesaling, your buyer is another investor, is a wholesale buyer. And it's no different really, if you think about it, than the department store business. Stores like um, Macy's or Nordstrom's or, or even uh, um, the Walmarts of the world don't generally buy their stuff directly from China and other manufacturers, there are middlemen involved. Okay. So the middlemen source the, what these retailers are looking for, get them the product wholesale so they can sell it to the customer retail. And we're doing the same exact thing in real estate, which makes it faster, easier, and quicker to get to the bottom line. Now, 
of course, we're not going to make as much money as a wholesaler than a retailer would make. Typical profit for a retail flip is about 10 to 15 percent of the ultimate selling price. So if your house is selling in, let's say, the 300,000 range, um, it would be between 30 and 45,000 net, net, net. A lot of times on these TV shows, they show, I bought it for 300, I put 50 into it, I sold it for 400, I made 50. Well, that's gross profit, not net profit. There's all kinds of expenses involved in the transaction. So when I say 10 to 15%, that's net, net, net. That's in your pocket cash after all is said and done. So on a half million dollar house, that's 50 to 75,000 and so forth. In this market, however, since it is competitive in the sense, not that there's a lot of people competing with you, it's competitive because there's so few deals for sale. We call the supply chain very low. And of course, you've been watching the news, you know all about that. Uh, so the number of houses typically for sale um, is, is well is, is well above what is the current market condition. In, in Denver, for example, typical inventory of homes for sale at any given time is about 25,000. And we're down in the, you know, the 2,000 or 3,000, depending on the month, range of, of houses available. That's really, really short. So supply and demand, if you've got X number of investors buying or, or homeowners buying, and only this many homes, you know, it's demand over supply is going to force prices up. So profits are going to be closer to the 10% range now for retailers, um, unless you're willing to take on a bigger project. Uh, the bigger the project, the more risky the project, more involved the project, the fewer people there are competing with you. Now, wholesalers are going to find deals and spec them to other retail investors. And they're going to make typically three to 5%. And so if there's a total of, let's say, 15% profit to be made, the wholesaler will take, let's say, 3% of that. And then the retail investor will make a total of 12. It's not in addition to the 10 to 15%, it's, it's combined. So the better the deal that you make as a wholesaler that you sign up and then want to wholesale to another investor, the more you will make. You'll make closer to the 5% side if there's a lot of margin. If there's not, maybe 3%, sometimes even 2%. But hey, if we're talking about a half million dollar house, uh, 10 grand isn't too bad, not too bad. I'm going to start with the five top ways to find wholesale deals. Now, there are dozens and dozens of other ways to do this, but we only have a limited amount of time together. So let me, let me um, share with you five effective ways to do it, and then um, you can expand on more. And the more of these you do, of course, the more deals you find wholesaling is all about your pipeline if you don't have deals working if you're not um, looking for deals or or marketing to have people look for you and you're not making offers and you're not filling that pipeline full of deals you're never going to get anywhere i think a lot of people who are beginners who are beginners um they worry about well can i get rid of it don't worry about that if it's a reasonable deal, you will sell it to another investor quickly. Um, so the idea is to go out and, and find deals and, and, and don't get too caught up in the, in the logistics, the mechanics, the paperwork, the process. Um, you can always partner with or hire people to, to coach you through that. Um, so 
your, your effort should be on, on shaking the trees to find some deals. So here we go. Write them down and then we'll go through each one. Number one, the MLS. Now, as I just said, that is not the best place to find deals, but there, there are some strategies that you can employ to find a deal or two here and there, depending on what market you're in, of course. FISBOs, for sale by owners. Number three, probates. Those are properties owned by an estate or inherited recently. Number four, short sales. And these are deals where we've got a property that has more owed on it than it's worth. And we're going to negotiate with a lender to take a discount on what they're owed. And then number five, good old Craigslist online. You will find some deals here and there that fall through the cracks. And I'll tell you what to look for and how to find them. All right. So get your pen and paper out and we will get started. Number one, the MLS. So this is the wrong way to do it. And there's a lot of seminars that come through town, national companies or online and tell people to do this. And I think it's, they're leading them astray down a path of unsuccess. They tell them to hire a realtor and scour the MLS for new listings. Okay, new listings that show fixer upper bank owned and so forth. Visit the properties with the real estate broker and then inspect them and then go make offers on the property. And that is a formula for making no money. And here's why. Uh, first of all, if something hits the listing uh, on the MLS, which means it's all over town and it's on realtor.com and it's on Zillow and all the other websites. So a lot of people have eyeballs on this. If you don't make an offer in the first 30 minutes, and I'm literally mean the first 30 minutes it goes for sale in this market, you're going to be beat out. Okay, so if you wait and visit the property and then have it inspected and then think about it and then run it through a spreadsheet and then call a, a, a contractor and get bids, that'll take you several days. And by that the time that happens, it's already under contract. You, you've already missed it. Okay, and here's the other problem with that method. Since there are very few properties and there are a lot of buyers in, in the market who are paying cash over you, um, and they're overbidding a lot of them as well, especially if they're owner, owner buyers, occupant buyers. Um, it, it's too much competition. It's too much competition. You're competing not only with investors, you're competing with, with people who want to buy a home to live in. And there's a lot of more of those than there are properties to go around. So uh, the other problem is, is if a real estate agent does get a listing, let's say it's a bank owned property that was foreclosed and it needs work and the bank is listing it for a reasonable price that real estate broker before it even hits the mls is going to call their short list of friends and investors and other realtors and maybe themselves take it um and tell them about the deal before it even hits the public and those people will go inspect the property or at least drive by it and have their offer literally ready to go and written up within a 30 seconds of that listing going live so that's a game you can't win uh, so don't try to play it. Now, in some markets, some markets that aren't quite as strong, uh, like, you know, LA, Denver, it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. Florida is crazy. Um, Texas is crazy. But there are some markets where things are not quite as strong in favor of the seller, although generally nationwide, it is a seller's market. Um, you may find some deals on the MLS and can do it this way. But what I do recommend instead, the right and profitable way, is find listings that have been listed at least 30 days. That's a long time in today's market. Now, typically in a normal market, 
it takes 30 to 45, up to 60 days to sell a house that's been listed. Right now, it's 30 to 45 seconds. <laughs> so um, if something's been sitting more than 30 days, either one of three things is the case. Either one, they're asking way too much. Uh, number two, there's mistakes in the listing. Or number three, um, there's something that's spooking buyers that they maybe go under contract and then bail out on the inspection. Um, so that's what we're looking for. What's falling through the cracks. And sometimes it's just a matter of a repositioning the deal. For example, if you're looking at it from the terms of buy, fix and flip, um, it may be a buy, fix and hold or a buy scrape and build something better or rezone it or something like that, that everybody else is missing. So having listings are at least 30 days old means you have breathing room. You don't have to rush to go look at the property. So what I would recommend on those is just make blind offers on those at a 20% discount off of asking price, which is probably already below market. Um, now, is 20% enough? Is 20% too much? It doesn't really matter. We're just throwing a little spaghetti up at the wall and see what sticks. And then wait for a counteroffer, or if they accept it, um, uh, God willing, <laughs> then go look at the property before you sign the contract and put up your earnest money. And that way you're not wasting your time running all over town with the realtor and looking at properties and wasting your and their time. Okay. Um, again, there's not going to be a lot, maybe a couple of deals a year. You could find this way in most markets, but it is a way. And the good thing is, is you can have a real estate broker or agent doing this for you. And remember as a buyer, you're not really paying them. Well, you kind of are, but their fee is comes off the seller's side. So if the seller lists it with an agent, and pays them 6%, your agent as the buyer's agent will split that 6% 50-50 usually with the listing agent. So they get paid off the seller side and it's like having an employee working for you uh, and they don't get paid until they succeed. So like a contingency fee lawyer, right? Which we'll talk about later. Um, but be respectful of the agent's time, of course, you know, their time is valued too. And don't waste their time by requiring that you see every property you make an offer on. I know this is risky, think, or you think this is risky, making blind offers. But remember, you haven't put up any money yet. You haven't given an earnest money. Okay, so when you make the offer in writing and the seller says yes, they say, okay, bring over the earnest money. And then you have a little time to go look at the property and say, I changed my mind. Okay. You're not committed at that point until you put up your earnest money. All right. So, um, you know, that's not your primary way of doing it, but it's a way if you're going to employ a real estate agent, just the important thing about what I just said was don't waste your time doing the former, which is running around looking at properties as soon as they get listed, making offers and getting beat out. It's just a waste of your time. You'll get burnt out very quickly. More profitable, more lucrative is for sale by owners. And we do those not by necessarily looking for for sale by owners signs in the yard, although that doesn't hurt. Uh, it would be to mail to people who don't currently have their property for sale, but should, meaning they're in a situation where they're motivated 
they've got a problem they really need to get rid of this house but they can't seem to get out of their own way and by you mailing letters and postcards to them offering to take the property off their hands is a way to flush out the few people who are out there who just can't deal with their problem you know it's not the problem with the property it's the problem with them and mentally they can't deal with their problem you know there's people out there who have problems divorce can't make payments foreclosure back taxes property needs work um uh, a drug and alcohol addiction you know all kinds of problems you know death in the family moved and couldn't sell the house whatever the first one we're going to mail to is you can buy a list of expired mls listings those are properties that were listed with an agent for three to six months and it didn't sell why could be for any number of reasons that i described earlier but there's no rush there on those and they're probably more motivated than someone who just listed it so if you've listed a property in this market and it hasn't sold in three months or six months there's a big problem somebody messed up there or the house has a problem that um it might be fixable or it may not be fixable um, depending on what the, the situation is but a mailing to expired mls listings can be very lucrative also absentee owners people who from tax rolls show their mailing address doesn't match the property address meaning they don't live there so it's either um, a rental property a second home an inherited home and one of my favorite scenarios which kids living rent free so the parents don't have the heart to evict their kids and throw them out so they just sell the home <laughs> when i first came to denver in the early 90s i mailed out 14,000 postcards 14,000 postcards to virtually every absentee owner in the metro area and that kept me busy for a year i did 18 deals off of that and you know what the most common scenario was parents who didn't have the heart to throw out their children so they just sold the house and said you gotta leave now so look at that list that's a good one uh people in foreclosure you know that's public information that was a list you can buy from multiple sources they've got a sale date coming up and and they're under the gun now people who are late but not in foreclosure meaning the foreclosure process has not been filed so they're 30 60 up to 90 days late but the bank has not filed the legal process for foreclosure yet and that's another list you can buy and just google these you can find them for your market it's not hard to find uh, finally properties with va loans on them now why would i say that well va loans are people who are veterans most of them are young who just bought a house put no money down so they don't expect a lot back out of it um they're not expecting a lot out of it because they didn't put much into it but people who are veterans who are active particularly tend to move a lot um unfortunately tend to divorce a lot and causing stress where they have to sell a house in a divorce situation so people with va loans i found really good and by the way all five of these if you mailed out a thousand pieces of mail a month and got a two percent response which is 20 people saying i'm interested i'm raising my hand that's awesome that's all you need now i'm not saying you're going to do 20 deals a month off of that but you know if you get 20 people who say i'm interested in what you have to say 
and I didn't list it with a real estate agent or I didn't and it expired and I couldn't sell it through a real estate agent or I don't want to sell it through a real estate agent, um, they're calling you. Remember, they're calling you. It's different when you're knocking on someone's door as a cold call versus them calling you. They called you for a reason. Even if they don't act that motivated, believe me, they're calling you. So they've got a problem and they need that problem solved and it involves a house. So again, one to 2% response is perfectly acceptable and perfectly profitable. Even if you did a thousand mailers a month, which costs you a thousand dollars a month and got one deal out of it that made you five to 10, would that be worth it? I think it is. Number three, probate deals. These are people who you know, are deceased and there is a house in the probate. So get a list of these probates. And there are many sources, again, Google on the internet, uh, probate leads. There are many of them. You can mail to them or you can even call them. Some lists come with phone numbers. You can cold call them. Now you have to make a deal with the executor of the estate. If it's a female, we call that an executrix or now generically with you know proper pronouns and all <laughs> they call it a personal representative um so the personal representative of the estate only has the authority to sell the property so if someone calls you up and says my mommy left me this property in her will and you ask them well are you the executor of her estate and he says what does that mean what is the answer obviously not until it goes through the court probate process, an executor is appointed and that executor signs a contract to sell, you can't deal with the property. So the heirs don't, unless they've already inherited it and got title, they can't make a deal with you, all right? And then once you get a deal, you can wholesale that for cash. Uh, the key concept here, find the back door first. You should have a list of buyers investor buyers chomping at the bit for properties from you okay and um there are many ways to build a list like that you can put out test ads you can put out signs you can go to workshops like this and meet other people and find get their business card find out what they're looking for in your market um it's not hard to build an investor list so here's an example uh jennifer newton was one of my students who did my training and she found a deal that was in probate. It's on the bottom left, you could see it was a half of a duplex in a really good neighborhood. For those of you who know Denver, it was in uh, Wash Park. Uh, for those of you who don't, that's one of the nicest neighborhoods in Denver. Now, um, she was on, uh, no, excuse me. I was on vacation on a cruise and she emailed me and said, I found, I think there's a deal in probate that I did a mail or two, but it, it needs a lot of work. It needs like close to a hundred grand worth of work. And um, it, it was built in 1905 and it's small. It's a half a duplex and it's only a two bedroom and one bath. And I don't know if there's anything here. I said, I said, what's the address? She tells me the address. I said, oh boy that is a great neighborhood. And that's the cheapest thing you could ever buy in that neighborhood. Look for the WOB, W-O-B, the worst on the block. Across the street, they were building two bedroom condos that started at 450. Now this is, this is an old house, but even if, if it was renovated, it should be worth more 
because it has a garage. It's a main floor. It's got a yard. Uh, even though it is a kind of square, ugly half a duplex, um, it had value. So I said, what do you, what is the seller asking? Because, well, grandma, you know, died and no one's lived there for 10 years and it needs like tons of work. Um, but they're talking about a hundred grand, the executor of the estate said to me, who lived in California and didn't know the neighborhood. Okay. All they know is it's an old house that needed a lot of work that hasn't been lived in in 10 years. I said, okay, I'm your back end. I'll pay you a hundred grand negotiate down from there and then flip it to me. Okay. Wholesale it to me. So she got it under contract for 94, three, and then assigned it to me for 5,700. Not bad, right? Not bad for a deal that, and, and by the way, what did I do with the property? Well, a partner and I renovated it and put $83,000 into it and then sold it for 260, something like 261 or 262 within a week. Because again, the cheapest, the wob, the worst on the block, cheapest on the block in a really, really nice neighborhood. And, and you can see from the pictures, that's the after picture. It looks pretty nice now. Uh, it looked a whole lot worse when we started. Um, but we made it in from a 2-1 into a 2-2 and uh, renovated it quite a bit and uh, sold it quickly. So, you know, good deal for her, good deal for me, win-win all around. Number four, short sales. So what you have to do here is market to people or properties in foreclosure, which is an easy list to buy. And you're going to sign up a contract subject to short sale approval. What does that mean? Okay, so the property's worth 400. They owe 450. Is that possible? Absolutely possible. We might see that quite a bit coming up as interest rates rise and inflation and everything. We're going to see some people upside down on their properties. That was a big thing in 2008, and it's coming back. So you sign a contract that says, I'm going to buy it for, let's say, 300 subject to the bank approving the short. What does that mean? That means the, the bank was owed 450 and they're going to take it down from 450 owed to 300 owed in lieu of the whole amount. And that's called a short sale or short pay, Okay because the lender is taking it in the shorts. <laughs> That's just a little inside joke we use. Uh, but short sale means a short pay. We, so we negotiate the discount with the lender after we have it under contract. And then we, once we have the approval of the lender, we're gonna wholesale the deal for cash to another investor. And this is a very lucrative way to do it. Here is Becky, who is, uh, some of you know, is uh, Frank Pooley's wife, um, did a, a deal just like that and made $21,000 uh, doing a short sale deal. Uh, and, and good for her, you know, lots of profit in there for negotiating. Frank and Becky did done dozens and dozens and dozens of these and really uh, know that business. Number five, Craigslist. Now, Craigslist is interesting because you could find some interesting deals that fall through the cracks and, and sometimes some little honestly kooky people who want too much for their property, but you could search for keyword terms like FISBO, for sale by owner, handyman, needs TLC, which means tender loving care, rehabber or rehab property, fixer upper. And there's a website you can go to that'll do this automatically for you, which is really cool. And it's called Search Tempest. T-E-M-P-E-S-T, -E -E Tempest, searchtempest.com. You put in the category 
and the market. So you can have multiple markets you're searching properties at once. And then you put the keywords. It searches 24 seven for you, like a full-time employee. And when it finds a hit, it grabs the ad and notifies you either by email or text. This is beautiful. I mean, you can't, you can't do any better than this, having a full-time electronic employee working for you. So, and it doesn't happen every day of the week, but every once in a while you get a hit and you can call them up or email them. I would suggest calling. Don't email people. By the way, people are way too reliant on technology and making offers by email and text and all that stuff. Don't do that. The idea of a text, if you get you know, hold of somebody or an email, is to schedule a call. What's the purpose of the call? To schedule a meeting. So you can go in person and negotiate a deal. That hasn't changed in the last 75 years in real estate. Technology has made things better and easier for real estate people. But I think people are relying too much on the technology instead of using it to get back to the basic good old people skills. All right, let's go a little bit. Now we've talked about how to find them. Let's talk about how the mechanics work of this, which is using other people's money to make you money. So when I say wholesale a deal, that doesn't mean you have to come up with 300 to flip it for 310 and make 10 grand. You don't need the money to make the money. So here's the way it works. It's called an assignment of contract. So person A, the owner, the motivated seller, agrees to sell you, let's say, a property for $350,000. You sign a purchase and sale agreement. And you're going to give some small amount of earnest money. When I say small, if you're now dealing with a real estate agent, $100 will bind the contract. I mean, technically, you don't need any earnest money. Um, but it is customary and a hundred bucks will do it. Can you give the money right to the seller and say, here's a hundred dollars as earnest money. And if you lose it, you lose it. Okay. It's a hundred bucks. But if the seller wants a thousand, you could put it in escrow with a title or escrow company or attorney to hold. So if the deal doesn't go through, you get it back. All right. So you, they don't walk off with your money. So A and B have a contract. C is your other investor that you're going to flip it to or wholesale it to. C gives you, let's say, 10 grand cash to step into your shoes. So what you're doing is you have a right as a buyer to buy that is assigned to a third party who is then going to step into your shoes and close directly with the owner on that $350,000 contract. Now, C ultimately paid 360 because he paid you 10, but there's only a single closing between A and C. Now, leases, if you've ever been a tenant or a landlord, can be assigned or, or subletted, right? Checks can be re-endorsed. If you have a, a, a recipient of a check and it's payable to you, can you endorse it over to somebody else and then that person cashes it? Yes, the same thing. The contract would give you the right to assign it to a third party, that other investor, who pays you to step in your shoes as the assignee of that contract, and now the buyer, and close directly with the owner. And that's pretty much how it works. It's as simple as that. So again, how much money did B put up here? You know, an earnest money deposit. Did they have to put up 350 to make 10? No. They just assign the existing contract. Why you cannot lose? And a lot of people are afraid to, to take a step. You know, it's interesting. 
a lot of people take a step uh, because you know, they want to make money. A lot of people don't take a step, not because they don't want to make money, because they're afraid not of losing money, but of succeeding. So many people are afraid to make an offer because, oh my gosh, what if the seller says yes? Now what do I do? So they're afraid of the unknown. Don't be afraid of the unknown. You can always hire or leverage other people's experience at doing that. That's what we're all here for, to help you do deals. So don't, and if you are worried about losing, first of all, you remember, you only put up a small earnest money, so you can only lose what you put up as earnest money. You have an inspection contingency in your contract. That is the right to inspect the property after it's under contract, let's say for a week or 10 days. After you inspect it, you say, I don't like X, Y, and Z, Mr. Seller. Either drop the price or fix those things or let me out of the contract. So that contingency allows you to get out if you find something you don't like or something that you missed. Again, if you only put up $100, it's a moot point. But if you put up $5,000 in earnest money, give it to a third party like a title or escrow company. And then if the inspection fails, you get your money back. Okay. And remember, you don't have to close if your buyer can't close. If you assign your contract to a third party and they can't perform, you're not obligated to buy from the seller. So you really can't lose. You can only win if you're willing to take the risk and business involves some risk, not wild, crazy risks, but look, you know, inflation is 8%. You've got to be willing to take some risk and massive amounts of action in order to succeed. Every successful person, they say every successful person worked harder than people who don't succeed. That's not true. They do work hard, but they do take risks. information and free articles and videos visit his website at www.legalwiz.com